welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes, and I'm especially glad you're with us today because, once again, our guest is your host. Last week, we talked about the process of a planned and natural death, the sort of death that most of us are going to enjoy. So now this week, we're going to assume that you have died and transitioned successfully. Your brief period on Earth was really only kind of a bad trip, if you will, but things are about to get so much better because now... Wonderfully, you are about to really go home. Some of what I say today will overlap a little with what we said last week because our death and return home really is a seamless process. But this week we'll be concentrating on the infinite forever that is humankind's wonderful and universal true home. The next stage of life exists right where you and I are now, but just at a higher vibration. If your mind were a television set, it's tuned right now to that body that you think you're in and to this material level of reality. After your silver cord breaks, we talked about that last week, your personal consciousness vibration will rise fairly rapidly above the vibratory rate of matter. Remember we talked about the the mist rising from your chest or from top of your head and quickly people who are in the room won't be able to see it anymore it's risen that quickly your mind is that tv set and it will change to a slightly higher channel there it picks up a whole new and equally solid body in an equally solid but much more wonderful greater reality just as happens if you tune your tv set to a higher channel and it really is just that simple You're going to feel as if you're physically moving, but in fact, you and the deathbed visitors who are with you are just raising your personal vibrations together and moving from what we might call the physical channel to the slightly higher afterlife channel. As we did last week, I want to again reinforce the fact that a normal death does not involve a tunnel and a light. That notion comes from near-death experiences which have nothing to do with death. In fact, Raymond Moody would reinforce that if he were here with us. He said, that's why I call them near-death experiences, because they're not really death. They're a very different and altogether wonderful experience that is based in traveling out of body in the astral plane. We think the tunnel is a kind of wormhole. It's a way to convey people who are unexpectedly out of their bodies at what is not a planned exit point at all through the unpleasant lowest astral levels to the bright middle levels of the astral. That's the light that is seen at the end of the tunnel. That's all it is. It's a a way. Think of it as being hoovered up away from all the negativity and into the mid-levels of the astral. That's what the tunnel and light is. It doesn't happen in a natural death. The way most people experience the post-death transition to the afterlife is as something like entering a brief fog. That room where you died was was very solid. You You thought of it as solid. And it becomes vague and vapory if you look back and disappears. Just as you imagine if you were from here looking at the afterlife, it would look vague and vapory. The same thing happens if you look back at the material world as you are transitioning to the next level of reality. 
There are a few afterlife channels below the place where you're going and many more above it, all existing pretty much where we are now. But what will happen is that you'll enter this fog, all of you moving together, but really not moving at all. And as that that room becomes more and more vague, in front of you will open, as the fog clears, a whole beautiful new solid reality right in the same place. What we Nearly all of us, or, or perhaps even all of us, enter, if a normal death, enter at the what's called the third level. We'll talk in a minute about what those levels are. But levels three, four, and five are what we call the Summerland. They're, they're beautiful, gorgeous. They are very Earth-like, and they're just as solid as where you are now. They're beautiful. And from think about how wonderful it is to go from being in this decrepit body like a boat anchor that was lying in that bed, dying, from going go from that and literally in minutes you are in this beautiful new reality in a young, healthy, gorgeous body. It's a stunning, wonderful experience. And from your perspective, especially if you hadn't been really sure you were going to survive your death, it's going to be so stunning that you're, you may well have to just sit down in the garden that's around you, and there are benches for this. You might have to just sit down and look around a bit. You'll see insects, but they... The ones reported are butterflies and dragonflies, not not anything, uh, no mosquitoes to be seen. Beautiful gardens, colors that you, you would never have seen on Earth because they're be above and below the visible light spectrum, but people say they're really beautiful. You really haven't seen flowers till you've seen them there. You haven't seen anything till you've seen it there. Love is the very air you breathe and we do breathe there and there is energy in the in the love that we breathe in and out there the light is intensely white and it casts no shadow the light is love as well people are stunned by this experience you you can't i mean the more you look around the more you'll be thrilled to be there you really are in heaven now and death is meant to be just that easy and just that wonderful we talked last week about the fact that close to a quarter of those who die on earth will go off track for a time. So I urge you very strongly to just familiarize yourself with what could go wrong at death. We talked about it last week and learn how to avoid those dangers. It's really easy to do that. Just convince yourself that your mind is eternal. Know that death is meant to be fun and then trust and follow your deathbed visitors because what they're trying to do is save you basically from going off track. They're your best, best friends. In fact, you'll recognize that. There'll be people that you love and trust. So just go with them. You're going to find that if you do that, it is just so, so easy to die. Before you even were born, your death was planned to be easy and joyous, and it's, we know, a return to your genuine, eternal life. The evidence of what actually is going on is so abundant now and so consistent that we can say with certainty that everything Christians believe about death and the afterlife is wrong. There is no hell, no purgatory, no angry and vengeful God, no judgment, no worries, nothing, nothing but perfect love. But that's what Jesus told us. Jesus was right. All the rest of it is wrong. 
but it waits us at death is even more wonderful than all our fondest hopes. So let's take a look now at our eternal home. But first, let's look at some basic facts. We touched on some of these last week. There is one universal afterlife. Everyone goes to the same gigantic place, and it's not religious at all. That's one of the many ways we know that near-death experiences don't happen there. There's nothing religious there. God is, in fact, what we experience as mind. God is never material, and God never materializes at all. God is all that actually objectively exists, and the Godhead is everywhere, and it is infinite love. Just again, just as Jesus said, God is spirit, infinitely loving spirit. No living person has ever been to the afterlife. The near-death experiencers and out-of-body travelers go to the astral plane, and if they come to what they're told, and this actually happens in near-death experiences, they'll be told, well, if you go any farther, you'll be entering the afterlife, and then you won't be able to go back, and we think you should go back, you've got more to do. There's a boundary there. If they cross it, the silver cord breaks, they can't go back. Otherwise, death is always, always a one-way trip. And the afterlife is really gigantic. We tend to think, look, look at all the people who've died. It has to be so crowded there. Uh-uh, it's not crowded at all. The afterlife is gigantically huge. It consists of nearly limitless realities, each of which may be the size of this entire universe. And, of course, the astral plane, of which the afterlife is, believe it or not, just a tiny part, is many times bigger than that. It just boggles your mind to even imagine how much there is that's beyond the universe. The matter which we experience in the afterlife in the places that are solid is very different from the matter in this material universe. It's solid, but it doesn't have any cellular or atomic structure. No little, you know, uh, uh, little universes or rather galaxies of, uh, of, of um, uh, molecules. No, nothing. No atoms. Nothing at all. No subatomic particles. It is pure, pure Think of alabaster. That's I keep as they describe it to us. I keep thinking of alabaster, warm, living, very brightly colored alabaster. They say you can even see through it just a tiny bit. One woman was reporting from the afterlife when she was asked about the matter she was made of. She said, "Well, you know, in certain lights, I guess I can I can a little bit see through my arm, but it doesn't bother me." So that's what it's like. It's just beautiful. The colors in the afterlife and in the astral plane go far beyond the visible light spectrum. So there are many colors, many, that we cannot even imagine. And there's no decay. Everything is at least somewhat conscious. I mean, think of no decay. Not a leaf ever falls. Not a blossom ever fades. It's beautiful all the time. There's no decay. And there's no... Uh, the, Think of, a, think of a conscious flower. I mean, I hadn't even imagined such a thing, but repeatedly the dead would tell us, you know, you, when you walk by a flower, it'll turn its face to you, and it loves you. They tell us that the, that the scent of the flowers is gorgeous, but what's even more wonderful is that if you put your face into the, the, the blossom of a flower, it gives off this wonderful rejuvenating energy. What may be most amazing is the water, because it looks like water, but it's dry. It feels like silk if you touch it. And it gives off not just that gorgeous energy, but also a wonderful light music. 
And if people walk into it, you can walk into it fully clothed and walk out of it dry, and but just very much rejuvenated because of the gorgeous energy it gives off. They say it's living. It's living water. Well, Jesus talked about living water in the Gospels. This is what he was talking about. Our bodies there are young and beautiful. I mean, it's that's your choice. It's really up to you. But it, your body is young and beautiful, and it uh, um, tends to be the same body you had when you were in this uh, uh, last most recent lifetime, only just young and gorgeous. Of course, I know certain things that I'm going to change about my body, and you have the opportunity to do that. It's all mind-created. But if you want to look like someone else, or you want to look at it like an older age, or whatever you want to look like, or if you don't want a body at all, it's up to you. Uh, people who choose not to have a body usually are more, much more advanced than we will be, uh, and then they just look like a ball of light. But we recognize one another by our energy, not by the way we look. So everyone is going to know you no matter how you decide to look. Our sensory abilities there are also much stronger. Our mind sight, it's called, is nearly 360 degrees because it's not through our eyes. Our mind is seeing. And that sight is perfect at vast distances. There are around the North American summerland, which is otherwise sort of like an English garden, uh, and beautiful hills and so on. But around this, the North American summerland, there are mountains, and uh, those mountains have foothills. One man said, looking at those foothills, about what he said, he guessed were like 50 miles away. He said, my sight is so good now that I can see every leaf on every tree, on every foothill, on those the foothills below the mountains. So that's that's what it's like to be there. You can see far better than you can hear. You can hear far better than you can as well. In fact, they tell us we have never heard music until we've heard it there. Think about how our hearing comes into our bodies. There's, as you know, little a bunch of little bones in our, our ears that conduct the sound. Well, there, it's your mind that's hearing, and it's crystal clear and beautiful. Our taste doesn't come from our taste buds. It comes from our memory. We can eat there, although we don't have internal organs, so whatever we eat just disappears. And in the beginning, people want to eat, you know, but you never get hungry. You never feel full. And before long, they tell us people just don't bother to eat. The bodies we have there are nourished by the energy that's given off by the vegetation and the water and the love. And so we're just fine. And we never need to sleep either so that uh, there's a lot more time and space in which to do the things we would love to do. Post-death communication is by mind almost exclusively. We learn to do it, apparently, almost right away, and then that's how we communicate. This allows us to, to communicate with people who spoke a different earth language, but also, apparently, they've come to think of it as much more precise. My primary guide, Thomas, was a great writer in his Jefferson lifetime, extraordinary. When he communicated through Leslie Flint in 1960 as Thomas Jefferson, he groped for words, and you can hear this. It's available on the Internet. He, then he said he hated having to resort to words again. He said something like words, 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 none of which say what you want to say, and none of them were very precise. So I thought that was fascinating, someone who could write that well. So we're always going to we're all going to feel that way, that we just prefer to just communicate by thought. Weather is optional there. They said it's generally mid-70s and brilliantly sunny, except there's no sun. It's that ambient white light all the time. 
There's and night never falls. But if you want darkness, if you want rain, if you want snow, you can have them just by wishing for them. They're just not part of the standard package. There are infinite consciousness gradations. We talk in terms of seven overall levels, but just be aware when we say that there, each level is made up of probably a thousand different gradations. The lowest two in terms of vibration, the lowest two levels are what Jesus called the outer darkness, where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's what they are. Level one is almost completely dark, full of demons who were once people. It's cold, smelly, disgusting. It's like midnight on a garbage heap. Level two is, is a little better. It's a little lighter. It's, forget the garbage there, but it's still pretty dark. Levels three through five are the Summerland. And the Summerland is so Earth-like that some who die in their sleep and wake up there have trouble believing they really are dead. They have to be shown that uh, the, the, they're, yeah, they're in their familiar Earth house, but look out the, look out the window, look out the door. Not, none of what was your old neighborhood is here anymore. They, you just have the house. It's beautiful there. It's beautiful on level three, but level four, of course, is even more beautiful. Level five is glorious. Above level five comes the causal or source level, which is what we always have called level six. That's the place where people who have stopped incarnating are being further perfected so they can join the Godhead at level seven. Now, they're very active, these people. They're active on Earth. They're active in the Summerland teaching and helping people. Um, they're very, very powerful beings. And frankly, I come to think that by the descriptions of the people who um, are, are not dead, um, have, uh, in fact, are more alive than they ever were, but are in the afterlife and frustrated that they can't go to level six and they see these people walking around and wearing clothing that designates how advanced they are, they start saying they want to do that too, and that's what makes you want to come back. The Summerland is so beautiful that you, can be, you can't be blamed if you decide that you really want to stay there for a while, and some people apparently will want to stay there for a long while. That's okay, because, of course, there's no time there, and we'll talk about that in a minute too. The Summerland is very culturally specific. If you die in China and it's not a planned death, you will your Summerland view will be of pagodas. And, you know, cultural things. All you have to do is say, hey, wait a minute, and your loved ones will immediately come and get you and take you to your own Summerland. The U.S. and the U.K. Summerlands are very, very similar. The main reason, the main uh, rather difference being that the U.S. Summerland does have the Rocky Mountains sort of bordering it, and the the U.K. Summerland seems to be much more concentrated on, um, you know, beautiful buildings and pagodas and, and not pagodas in the Chinese sense, but in the in the decorative sense, um, uh, just lovely stone monuments and things in their uh, Summerland, in their in the gardens. Uh, they don't have mountains, but otherwise they're very very similar. When you first get there, you'll notice. People dress however they like. Many people will be wearing contemporary clothing. Um, some people will be wearing a period costume. You'll see women walking around looking as if it's the 1800s again, or earlier even, um, or, and men. Uh, but a lot of people also wear what are called spirit robes. They look like angel robes to the floor with long, full sleeves. And they're, they're in a beautiful, subtle, glowing color. Now, the... the uh, Ones that more advanced people wear 
are color specific to their level of advancement, which is how you can easily tell you know, who's very advanced. And as I say, we, we want to go higher. You can easily go lower than your own vibration, spiritual vibration allows, but it's almost unbearable to go higher. People who have tried to do it without the help of someone who is very advanced say that it feels like the energy is battering them. Imagine if you're, you know, out in a hundred, 150 degree wind. That's how it feels. They, they just can't be there, which is why we come back to earth to try to raise our vibration more. So we'll be comfortable going to the fourth and then the fifth level. And when you reach pretty much the top of the fifth level, then um, they tell us, then you can stop incarnating because you're able then to grow on your own. Without, without, as, you know, without the negativity that you find in the afterlife. So we've arrived there, and we're, we we're thrilled, we're happy. Um, we're looking around, we're seeing weird, well, this is something that a lot of them report to, I should mention, weird vehicles on the streets, in the air, on a nearby lake, all these weird vehicles you've never seen before, usually big enough just for one or two people. Powered by mind, so they make no sound and they also give off no exhaust. Apparently, a lot of people, when they first get there, enjoy puttering around in these vehicles. And so they do, and it's playtime. But in fact, if you decide to go somewhere, it's travel is always by thought. You think, I want to go to the last planet at the very edge of the universe, and you're there in it. I blink of time. Not even no, It doesn't even take that long. And then when you want to come back, you do. And being able to travel that way when your body doesn't need to eat or sleep and it's always daytime, you can imagine how much fun you can have. But first, four things predictably happen. So we'll talk about those now. We rejoin our greater minds. You take, you came here with a quarter or less of your mind. You packed away most of it. Mikey Morgan says literally you packed away in a suitcase, but I'm, I'm sure that's a metaphor. You just leave it behind. But when you, as you... Even before you quite get to the Summerland, it seems that suddenly you're brilliant. You rejoin your greater mind. You remember so many things you don't, you can't remember now. You recognize people that look familiar, but you can't remember why. You're back into who you really are. Um, one of the that's a, a to me going to be a beautiful moment. I can't, I can't wait to, to have that happen because there's so much I'd like to know. And and they say when when you're in your greater mind, so much more is going to make sense to you than it ever ever has in your whole life. The second thing that happens is we tend to sleep for a little while. Uh, there's no objective time there, so I can't say for how long. But sometimes it seems to be you know usually for a day or two. I would think in Earth time, some people do it for only an hour or two, but, but you sleep when you first get there. Even if you die without issues, apparently the sleep helps your, your greater mind reorient everything about this new life that you've entered. You sleep, then you wake up, and after that you will never need to sleep again while you're, while you're there, even if you're there for a thousand years. The third thing we do is experience a life review. We re-experience our whole earth life just ended primarily from the viewpoint of those people we affected for good or ill. People tell us this is a very difficult, difficult thing to go through because for most of their lives, they, they think, you know, I can do whatever I want. I mean, there's no consequence. And then they realize that the little things they said or did hurt people's feelings or cause someone pain. 
or maybe it was a wonderful thing that changed someone's life for the better, they, be, they begin to realize the amazing effect that we have had on the people around us during that lifetime. And they say this is a very sobering, in some cases exciting and happy, but mainly sobering experience. Then we're told, okay, it's time to forgive the people who wronged you in this life. I've never seen a case where the people who were going through the life review didn't immediately forgive. Murdered my whole family? Sure. Whatever they did. And why do we forgive so easily? Because we know none of it was real. They were playing a role in our lives, helping us to grow spiritually. We, are, we were in this together. None of it was real. Then we're told, of course, after we've forgiven everyone else, we're told, okay, now it's time to forgive yourself. People who have been through a life review say the hardest thing you'll ever, ever have to do is forgive yourself for all the things you did to hurt other people. Even inadvertently, I didn't mean to do that. Forgiving yourself for all the things you've done to hurt others is the hardest thing you're ever going to do, but you have to do it. We talked about the lowest level, the outer darkness. The people there weren't put there by God or by any judge, judging uh, religious figure. They were put there by themselves. If you can't forgive yourself, you will lower your vibratory rate, and if you can't correct it, and there'll be a lot of help, people will try to help you to do it, you'll put yourself in the outer darkness. So don't do that to yourself. The most important thing you can do while you're in this lifetime is learn to forgive no matter what people do to you. Because when you have learned that, and Jesus says this too, he tells us all this stuff. Once you have learned to forgive other people no matter what they do to you, you'll be able to forgive yourself too. But if you've been judgmental and unforgiving in your present lifetime, you may not have an easy time once you go home. Okay, so the fourth thing we do, and this is really great to talk about, is we have a big party. Those who love us throw a big, big party. And I'm talking, you know, huge. The dead know how to party. I've got to say it to you. The people that you knew who came, who died ahead of you, maybe all over the, not just the universe, but the whole greater reality. But there's a kind of, of um, almost internet by mind that they're going to know when your party is. In fact, you're going to know, no matter where you are and what you're doing, when everybody's party that you've ever knew on earth, when everybody's party is. And they'll know where to go. They'll just think, I want to go, I want to, go to his party, and there they'll be. It's beautiful. It's fun. It's, it's held often in a public place because they're so big, or they're held in someone's home. Um, and the people that you see who come there are going to be people, some of them, that you hated in life. You'll recognize you know, the horrible boss that you couldn't stand when you were 18 years old, you'll recognize so many people and you'll realize they're close, eternal friends that had been playing a role in your life to help you grow spiritually and you'll fall into each other's arms. There's food and drink because, you know, we have, we're still used to eating and drinking. I can't imagine a party without it. So there's food and drink and there's entertainment. And very often, if we, if there's some kind of entertainment we want, you know, you want to, Elvis to sing. Apparently he sings at a lot of these parties. You could have early Elvis, um, Las Vegas Elvis, older Elvis. There apparently are three or four versions of Elvis he'll do for you. I am going to have John Lennon. I'm going to ask John Lennon to sing Imagine because I know that when he gets to Imagine There's No Heaven, everybody is going to laugh. It's going to be a big laugh line. So we have a party. And once in a while, if someone has done something extraordinary, 
There's a parade. One of the things that is surprising about the afterlife is how much adulation there is for people who didn't think they lived a very remarkable life. You know, Jesus says, not with the eyes of man does God see. Well, people who have done beautiful spiritual things will often have a celebration around what they've done. There are a lot of statues around of people who lived on earth. And by the way, they're all brilliantly colored, which I gather is how the Greek statues were too, before all the paint wore off. And they give parades through the cities, just celebrating beautiful lives. The, the biggest parade I've ever seen described was for a woman who had, because your left hand is not supposed to know what your right hand is doing in giving things, remember? Given secret, Jesus said. So during her entire adult life, she every day tried to do some secret good thing for someone. And if someone discovered what she'd done, she had to do something else that day. That was her little, little discipline. And she was astounded to get to the afterlife and be fated. Everybody loved her. Huge parade just because she had done that beautiful little thing every day. So you wouldn't have known who she was if you knew her on earth, but she's a big shot there. After all of these preliminaries, there begins what is really an infinity of time in which we can do an infinity of things. It turns out to be an infinity of time because, for the most part, there's no subjective time there. For well after we die, we remain synced with earth time in order to better communicate with our loved ones here. I mean, you need to know whether it's day or night, what they're up to. But before long, we pretty much cut loose from earth time for most of the time. We don't keep a real objective sense of time there at all. We could travel the length and breadth of all reality in a heartbeat of time, and we have a lot of things we want to do and learn and catch up on and see people we haven't seen in several lifetimes and just, just have fun. This is truly playtime like you've never seen playtime, and there's no end to it. The only end really is going to be your own wish to grow spiritually, and that's going to make you want to come back here because it's really the only way to grow until you reach the upper fifth level. Some of the things to talk about are kind of fun. So you're going to know when someone's arrival party will be, but you're also going to know when someone you knew on earth and loved has some big event. You know, you're going to get to go to the wedding. They'll, you'll, you'll get noticed in your mind that, oh, the wedding is about to happen. Um, someone's giving a big speech. Um, I, a dear friend of mine, Craig Hogan, was told specifically that his family was gathering because he was giving uh, a big speech. Um, that's just what happens. How do, they, how do they watch your speech? Well, there is technology happening there as well. We know they're developing communication technology, and it's going to be wonderful when that's in place. But one of the things that's neat that they've done is they've developed a kind of flat screen that looks like a painting on the wall. Once it happens that, that uh, uh, you, you know, you're about to give a speech, they will turn that into a viewer that, that can, where, where they can see you. They, can, they actually could watch you. If they wanted to do it, they could watch you go through your entire life. They tell us they don't spy on people in the bathroom or the bedroom, but they do you know, like to watch us. They love us. They want to see what we're up to. So the whole family, the whole clan will gather in someone's house to watch you give your speech. So if you're doing something big and something wonderful, know that it isn't just the people that you think are watching you. 
But all these people, your ancestors, your parents, all the people that you love who have transitioned are probably gathered around one of these big flat screens watching whatever you're doing. And play to, play to them a little bit. I, I know I do. I'm trying to think what else we need to cover before we go on. Um, I think that about that about sums it up. It's just think about the fact that you can do whatever you like. I think it's impossible really for me to to adequately describe just how freeing that is. No matter how much you've felt constrained here, you will not be constrained there. I should tell you, too, that what we call the afterlife is really kind of a foyer to the uh, to the astral, which is so much bigger than the afterlife. When we die here, we go back into the afterlife. We go through all of this stuff that gets us sort of reoriented toward be the life of the astral. Then we travel in the astral as much as we want. When we decide it's right time to go back to Earth for another lifetime, we go back to that foyer, what we call the afterlife area, and we uh, prepare to enter a new lifetime. We do the planning. We get all ready. They somehow shrink us to be a baby again. I don't understand the process, but they do talk about shrinking us. And then we are launched into that little fetus. Uh, that's, that's how we seem to come and go. It doesn't happen all over. It happens through the afterlife area. We don't know everything now, but we know quite a bit about all of this, and it fits together so beautifully that we really think we are learning the entire truth. It's just that we don't have all the pieces yet. And frankly, we have heard from people who have traveled everywhere in the, in the astral, much greater than the universe, and everywhere they go, it's all good. They tell us that the Earth is actually the hardest place for us to evolve and develop. And I can see that's probably true because nobody seems to encounter negativity very much at all in anywhere in the rest of reality when they travel after their death. So uh, all the things that you see in scary movies and, you know, the Matrix or whatever, all of these things, they're just not true. What's true is that you in particular are infinitely special and infinitely loved and precious beyond your ability to understand it. So what are some of the things people do when they're there? Well, one thing they do is rescue work. When we first arrived, our, our vibrations were still rising. So very often, people who are reasonably advanced will be taken in hand by a, a sixth-level being who will invite them to come into the outer darkness because they can't. The people there are so you know messed up they can't see the sixth-level being, but they can see you. So you, your job is to get their attention and then say, "The person with me is someone who can help you." And this is necessary, apparently, in order for the six-level beings to do their rescue work. We satisfy our curiosity. There are huge libraries full of scrolls that have all the, the, the uh, knowledge of, of the universe and are written in a language we all can read. I don't understand it, but that's what they say. We can experience all our other lifetimes uh, in, in a library that's around that, designed around that. We can study music and art and just about anything else. Um, our minds there, of course, learn much more easily. And children, you know, there are some children born as music or art prodigies. They almost certainly learn their skills between lives. We also do teaching. One adorable story to me is this. My aunt used to sew all her own clothes, and she was a wonderful seamstress. Now she teaches sewing on crystal machines that are, of course, powered by the minds of the people who are doing this sewing. 
If we want to build something, we design it, and advanced level beings turn it into a real solid building. It shimmers, and then it becomes solid before our eyes. We can attend, or we can perform in concerts and plays, and many of the greats are performing there in these big open area coliseums, areas where they, they look, uh, I think, something like the Roman coliseums, um, but of course they're outdoors, it's always daylight. And not only can you hear everything much better than you could hear, but the music, if it's beautiful, will begin to shimmer like in colors and form patterns uh, above the, the Colosseum where they're performing. We can have cultural fun. Um, there's This seems to be relatively recent, but you can enjoy a Wild West town if you like everybody's costume and driving the horses around. You can enjoy, apparently, a 1950s town with everybody in bobby socks. Um, they, they say that we can watch many of the great historical events, not the, not the wars. But, for example, uh, they, they will reenact uh, the Continental Congress for us to see that kind of thing. And most of all, we can travel. We can travel to the uh, afterlife realities of all the great civilizations. Someone talked about watching the pyramids being built in the afterlife of, of, the, of the great uh, Egyptian period. Just more more things to do than we can even imagine, and all all built around fun. What's very important for you to understand is we all go to the same place. This is not optional. You will go there. We talked last week about the possibility that if you really don't know what you're doing, um, and you're, you're determined that there'll be no afterlife, there will be none for a very long time. You'll just wander in a fog of nothing. Um, if you decide you're, that you deserve to go to hell, you'll put yourself in an artificial hell. There is no real one, and so on. You can muck it up. You can do that. But there's no point to it because it doesn't change your long-term reality. We all will go to, be part of, live in, be in, enjoy the very same afterlife you can travel to other cultures after you have died you can do whatever you want to do after you have died but we all go to the same place and we all enjoy the same if once we have acclimated ourselves to the fact that this is it we all enjoy the same things when i said there's no religion practice there you don't need to believe in something when you know it for certain God is real. There is no such thing as anything that exists outside of God. God is all that exists. And you know that when you're there, and you enjoy that fact so much when you're there. Um, one of the things people love to do is sit at the feet of, of great teachers, Plato, Aristotle. My, my guy, Thomas, loves to watch these people debate. He seems not to take part himself, but he enjoys watching them debate things that are happening on earth. You want to sit at the feet of Jesus, you can do it. Jesus seems to be everywhere in the afterlife. He's not a religious figure. He's not a religious, he does, didn't mean to be a religious figure even now. He came to help us grow beyond superstitions, which are what religions actually are, and instead learn the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free, he said. But he's there teaching everywhere, and he especially enjoys the, ch the children's villages. I talked a little bit about this last week, but... Small children who die and they don't know anybody who's yet and who's in the afterlife, and, and infants that are are uh, aborted or that are that are miscarried, all these little children 
grow up in the afterlife. It, it takes, they say, roughly a few earth years, but it's really up to the person. We were shrunk to be an infant or to be a, a fetus, and so we grow back into the adult, the young adult uh, stage, which is what the normal stage is for people there at our own time. But we do this in a, in a beautiful separate area where the people are the best and most loving caretakers you can imagine. I remember reading one fellow who um, he would, was being interviewed by, and had an especially hard life apparently when he was here and he was talking to his, to his family. This was 100 plus years ago. And he said, you know, what he really wishes was that he had been able to die as a very young child because the people he knew who were now young adults and had died on earth or been aborted or, or been um, miscarried were so much happier. They had such beautiful, beautiful lives there. Which I thought was an interesting, uh, you know, kind of take on it. Most of us think we would like to live on Earth, but this fellow had an especially, especially hard life, and he he would have just just as soon, in retrospect, have gone right home. But just know that if you've lost a child, or if you've lost, uh, uh, you know, if you've miscarried a child, those children are there waiting for you. If you've had a, a, an abortion or two or three or however many. Those young adults will be there waiting for you, and they'll call you mom. How you're going to feel about that is up to you, but just be aware that's what's going to happen. They've been following you and loving you your whole life. Another thing people ask me about very often is what happens with our pets. Every animal you ever have loved is waiting there for you now, young and healthy and happy, and they they, they usually are, and sometimes People we love will care for our pets, but usually they're in a, a separate place uh, a, where, where they can play outdoors with, in groups and stuff. And because there's no time there, and especially for those dogs and cats and horses, for me it's a horse, um, there is no time. So it'll seem to them they've just died, and you may have been a child at the time, and you get there when you're 90 years old, they'll think that you just, just arrived right after they did. So... Be at ease about your love, your beloved pets. They're all fine and they're waiting for you and you'll be able to have them with you and do with them whatever you'd like. Now, some people have had so many pets that they have surplus to lend out. And so that's what I'm counting on. Um, we haven't had many in our lives because it just never, we were always too busy. So I look forward to having dogs and cats in a place where you don't have to walk them, feed them, or clean a litter box. That's something I look forward to very much. It's very important to always remember that the, the more you grow spiritually on earth, the higher you'll be, you'll be vibrating and the higher you'll be able to go in the afterlife. That's an inviolate rule. You can't really go higher than your own personal vibratory rate. But if you work some, and it's not that hard to work at uh, growing spiritually here. You just It's a matter more of doing the right things and making them a habit than it is of really struggling. It's really, I think, fairly easy to do. But the more you do it, the more fun you're going to be able to have in the greater life that you'll return to at death. And that's why no matter how much fun you may be having exploring and playing in the infinitely timeless realities that you're going to be able to access, you know, from level three or level four, until you get to the top of level five, you won't be able to do any more growing. So 
before long, you will decide with a few friends, you know, maybe we ought to try it again. I have to work on this. You say you have to work on that. How can we put it together and make a life plan? And you get your, your the people who are going to be your guides. You all get together. I think of us around a gigantic table with the plans all spread out beneath a tree. And what you'll do is plan another lifetime. Come back here. Go through the whole process. And then when you when you return home again, hope you're vibrating somewhat higher. So you're going to be doing that. But first, you, you really will be getting your fill of play. Whatever you imagine, you cannot begin to envision how wonderful the genuine afterlife actually is. So this has been, once again, Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm so glad you could be with us today. This is fun. I don't get to do this very often. I've enjoyed talking to you about what's going on. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began and you never will end. And when you really get all the implications of that fact, it's going to change everything in your life for the better. Next week, we're going to be talking with Deborah Diamond, Ph.D. She's a Johns Hopkins University professor. She's a regular CNBC commentator. She had a transformational experience in 2008, which actually did transform her life. It enabled Deborah to develop some unconventional powers as a psychic and medium, a medical intuitive and healer. And now she offers psychic mediumship and medical intuitive readings, energy healing and consultations. Deborah is the author of Life After Near Death, Miraculous Stories of Healing and Transformation in the Extraordinary Lives of People with Newfound Powers. But this is the reason why I wanted us to talk with her next week. She's also the author of Diary of a Death Doula, 25 Lessons the Dying Teach Us About the Afterlife. So we're going to learn, people who are dying, um, we're going to learn what it is they're learning before they've even left. You're going to enjoy Deborah Diamond. She's really a, a, a fireball. And you're going to love hearing her share what she's learned from those who are dying. So please join us next week. Now, as you know, my nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and in February of 2020, The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. For young children, there's the fun of meeting Jesus, and next year, the fun of growing with Jesus. I just have to get around to finishing it. The illustrations are done. You can order all of these books through bookstores or on Amazon.com, and of course, the adult books are also available as audiobooks. If you ever want to talk about any of my books, or if you want to talk about anything at all, you can always contact me through the contact block on robertagrimes.com. I get emails every day from people I, that I don't know, but I sort of feel we make friends just, just in their, the emails we exchange. I answer all emails. It can take me several days, though, uh, so, and sometimes it takes me some time. I have to write quite a bit. So please be sure to give me your correct email address. You don't want me to get cranky, and I get cranky when I write a lot, and then the, the email bounces, and I have no way to fix it because I don't know what your real address is. So that's all I ask. Just make sure you give me your right address. Past episodes of Seek Reality are available on webtalkradio.net, on realrevolutionradio.com, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and, and a lot of other stations, including those in the wonderful Dream Vision 7 radio family. More and more people tell me that now that they listen through the Seek Reality app that you can find for free in the iTunes app store, and apparently it's all automatic and easy. Of course, if you ever wonder where Seek Reality can be heard right this minute, then just... 
go to robertagrimes.com and click on the radio tab. If you enjoy these weekly conversations we have, you might also want to check out my blog at robertagrimes.com. There's a new blog post every week, or so far there has been for the past year and a half. I use my weekly blog posts to work through some of the issues we talk about here on Seek Reality, and we could go into more depth there. And what's one part of what's fun for for me is that we have some wonderful discussions in the comments section each week, and that's getting more and more interesting. Please, please check us out. Please never forget that my role in your life is just to help you get to the truth in a few years' time, rather than in the five decades this journey has taken me. I want most of all to help you arrive at the certainty, the sweet, sweet certainty that you are powerful, indestructible, eternal, and infinitely loved. Once you know that, you can grow spiritually into the infinitely powerful divine being that you already are, and you just have forgotten that. Living in perfect love eternally is, believe me, the happiest you ever can be. So we have a lot of fun ahead of us. But meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you in particular, you are a powerful, eternal being. And you, most of all in the universe, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.